The time, 25 minutes to 9 on Radio Veritas, into the last half hour of our program. And once again, my privilege to speak to Father Peter John Piersen. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Emil. How are you this morning? Oh, great. I'm always full of beans in the morning. So when I get to midday, I begin to wilt like an old rose. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's partly the opposite with me. (laughs) (laughs) Peter John, listen, we thought, let's talk to you a little bit about what's happening in the country. You know, every day we open the newspapers and it becomes more and more depressing. We begin to say to ourselves, where are we going? What are we descending into as a country, South Africa? You know, there's the Gupta emails, there's the Helen Zilla story, there's Claudia Motswening, there's Benung Obani. You know, every day you wonder, who's next? What's going to happen now? And we thought... Who better to speak to than you to throw a little bit of light on all these sorts of things that are happening? And you are the director of the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office in Cape Town. So share with us. Give us some hope and some encouragement and some light on the situation. Well, I mean, I... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Um, I think you're right. I mean, I think we're opening up the papers and um, and we're having that incredible litany of um, wow, the rot is really deep. And the rot is deep and the um, and and I don't think we've um, even come near to the end of the expo- exposes of, um, of the corruption, of the nepotism of all of those social pathologies that are just springing up at us. Mm. Um, I'm going to suggest that uh, the word of hope lies in the fact that at last these things are beginning to be exposed. At last, a culture of secrecy which developed over the last 10, 12 years, um, a growing culture of secrecy um, that we don't talk about it, that if the ruling party has done it, then the last word has been spoken, that um, everybody just continues to benefit and nobody questions, that that culture is very significantly broken. And I think that's the word of hope. I think every time we have, we wake up to a new, um, to a new revelation, every time we wake up to another person being exposed, that is for the good. Uh-huh. Um, that means that that gravy train, um, that means that those secret deal that that breach of governances in the case of the Guptas, even though the minister denies it, um, that those things are now, whistles are being blown on that. Um, And that can only be good. And so a part of me says, bring it on. Bring on more revelations, bring on more exposés, set up more commissions. Because um, if the cloudy um, uh, issue, for example, is one um, that we say, wow, then we've also got to say, wow, at least, um, and at last, the relevant organization down the line, especially from where I sit, especially in Parliament, have had the guts at an all-party level, with no exceptions, including no exceptions from the ANC, to say, um, this guy must fall, this must stop, um, we must put an end to um, the the kinds of um, restrictions put on foreign music. We must um, do all of that. We need to discipline the minister. 
Now, that hasn't happened as we would have hoped it would happen, but um, politically she's weaker. And um, I can't imagine that even five years ago we would have had that kind of response. Now, that's good for parliament, it's good for democracy, it's good for, for governance in our country. Mm. What we should be saying, and what I hear people in parliament say, I think the significant thing that anybody will tell you in parliament is that because the communications committee, um, because um, um, home affairs, because public enterprises, um, significantly, because the chief whoops office are beginning to say, go for it, do what you need to do, um, more and more people are having the courage to do what they should have been doing mm. in the beginning, and that hold um, critical oversight mm. um, are beginning to do it now. So I think from our point of view, what we're saying is this is happening. Of course, you can argue it's too late, but I don't think in politics it's ever too late. Mm. Um, good things are happening. We've got to give up the political we've got to give it the leverage, we've got to give it civil society support so that um, with the scrutiny that civil society can put on, it then becomes very difficult for people to go back. Uh, And, you know, look, the cynic is saying, of course, um, people are looking to post-2019. Whether Zuma goes now, whether he goes after the um, elective conference and doesn't stay on the last year of his mandate, whether he stays on to 2019, he's going to go. And therefore, people who want to survive in politics um, are having to do the right thing and, um, and, and you know, distance themselves from the, from the corruption, distance themselves from the mm-hmm. culture of secrecy and silence. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and speak out, mm. but the speaking out is good for democracy mm. in a way. No matter what the um, the, the source of it is, mm. it, it's good. You know, Peter John, I was just this morning. I was noticing on television the youth, the ANC youth league, is saying, "Oh, they want to have Mbulula as the uh, second secretary general of the ANC." And I thought to myself. You know, are these political structures not putting their parties before the good of South Africa? Do you think this is lies at the heart or woven into the fabric of all these things that are happening at the moment, that it's, it's more factional, party-orientated, rather than what's good for our country? Yeah, no, look, I think, I think that is a big part of it. Yeah. I don't think it's the only part, but I think yeah. um, there is a... Um, a desire on the part of many, mm. um, especially, I think one would have to say, taking factionalism in a different direction, one would have to say a part of it um, lies with those who've come in more recently into politics and who are in it solely for gain or for uh, promotion or for status or for longevity of careers. Uh, as opposed to some of the guys from the kind of UDF days, the older people in Parliament who are becoming fewer and fewer, of course, um, but who have a different vision and they were never in this for gain. Mm. Um, Now, I think that is true, and I think there's factionalism. I think 
people who benefited in a system of patronage are always going to look to extend that patronage. Mm. I think that's a given. Mm. Um, but I think there are a number of critical voices that are emerging where the political discourse is a different one, where it is around governance, where it is around um, um, dismantling patronage, where it is around um, dismantling corruption. And all of those things are for the common good. We know that. That that is what makes for the common good, besides the ongoing policies, because one of the contradictory things, one of the um, really curious phenomena in our politics is that throughout all this um, this, this uh, kind of a deconstruction of good governance and, um, and, and the corruption that's happened and the cronyism and the, and the, um, the factionalism that has happened, um, we've been at the level of portfolio committees um, been putting into place really good legislation, really good policies. Mm-hmm. Now, there is no political will afterwards to act on it. Mm-hmm. There's no political will to follow through. Mm-hmm. That has been one of the real um, disastrous uh, consequences. So we can always point to good policy, mm-hmm. but we can't always point to good practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and I think it's the people who are, you know, the minority who are beginning to do and say the right thing that we have to give support to. Otherwise, the kind of criticism that you leveled at the beginning of this question is going to grow despite the change of leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things we need to remember is that the change of leadership of itself is not necessarily going to put everything right. There's mm. going to have to be a political will, a different practice. Mm. Um, and we in civil society, in the church and so forth, we have to be part of, without in any way getting involved in factionalism or party politics, we're going to have to be um, involved in creating a um, civil environment mm. where um, the values are so strong and we push so remote you know we push for them so strongly yeah. that it won't be easy for a political party to mm. just do what they want to yeah. um in terms of a leadership struggle yeah, so yeah. i think that's where my answer to the factionism that exists mm. it's real um people are not going to give up um what seems like a um a golden car um just because it's the right thing to do, but there's enough unease around that at the moment for us to capitalize on. You know, the the, the other thing that often strikes me about all this is these things are happening in society. I mean, the the Helen Ziller episode, Mutsuning and Benungobani and so on. These are all facts and these are all things that are emerging in our society at the moment. And, and I suppose people are looking for some kind of solution. Is there somewhere where I can go where I can get clarity of view, of, uh, clarity of, of understanding about what's happening? But I suppose this is all part of, of, of living in society that 
there's going to be no single line that's going to say, well, this is the way we should be going or that's the way we should be going. These things are all out there and everybody's going to have a different view about these things. And ultimately, when we have an election, everybody's going to say what they think. I think that's right. I think that's completely right. Mm. I think part of what we have to bear in mind um, is that this is a an incredibly fluid situation mm. politically. Mm. Um, there, it, it's a new moment. It's a moment that's different. And I think it would be true to say it's a moment that's different at the moment and very fluid um, in the UK, um, very fluid in the UK, yes. uh, very fluid in the United States. I was watching the testimony last night on television of various people around the FBI um, chief. And, I mean, the political discourse is fluid. Yeah. Um, but it does allow... And, and, I mean, what we contribute to it now from civil society, from the church, yeah. what um, the... Um, vacuum that we contribute to filling mm. is what's going to shape the next stable or unstable continuation of this fluidity. Mm. I think that's what makes it a very exciting moment. That's what makes it important for people to participate, to raise their voices, to listen to difference, to um, acknowledge otherness, to do all of those things because it's fluid. If we don't um, speak in this moment as church, as civil society, we will lose a vital opportunity to shape something that's going to come. Politics is by its nature quite cyclic. So when um, you have, so you generally have to participate in order to ensure that values and so forth are pertain. But this is a particular moment. It's a particular moment in this country. It's a particular moment um, internationally, and that also speaks for um, good reason for us to be speaking to our colleagues um, in um, around the world. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated as I, um, you know, I keep in contact with justice and peace groups, with um, church social pressure groups around the world, mm-hmm. especially around the English-speaking world, mm-hmm. and. Um, to a greater or lesser degree, we're grappling with, um, with, in a way, if I could put it boldly, post-bad choices in leadership, in politics, and, um, and we have something to offer. Mm. And we need to make sure that we engage the different terrains, because as you say, nothing is final at the moment. Right, yeah. Nothing is it's very fluid, and we've got to contribute to, and not look back later and say, if only we had. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's got, um you and I are sufficiently mature in years to remember that this has a real feel of the old UDF days. Yeah. A real feel of, you know, uh, things are starting to crack. Where do we take advantage mm. of Places that are opening up. How do we ensure that they're not um, that they're not taken over by um, negative forces and so forth? So I think we're in a similar moment. Well, you know, I love your use of the word fluidity and the cracks are opening up and the gaps are there and so on. And then I say to myself. But, you know, I call myself a Catholic. I call myself a disciple of Jesus. 
what contribution can we as Christians make to the situation, to the gaps, to the cracks that are opening up and so on. You know, the other night I went to a, we had a function here at, um, uh, it was a wine and whiskey tasting evening, and we had an advocate there. Um, I forget his name, Sede, Sede, he used to be on the SABC, um, SABC board. Uh, Sidibe, I think his name was. Huh? Sidibe, yeah, Leslie yes. Sidibe. And, you know, he said, we as Catholics, we've been through Catholic schools, we We've been formed. We are today what we, you know, what we are, thanks to the Catholic education and the exposure that we've had uh, in the church and through our schools and so on. And said, we have to be a salt in the world. We've got to give a certain kind of flavor to the world in which we live. And he was very strong about this. He wasn't preaching. He was talking as a, as a seasoned advocate. And he mentions the salt. You know, Jesus says you must be the salt of the earth and so on. And, and surely there must be something that we, as Christians, can say, this gap that we see, these cracks that are opening up, this situation that we're in, this fluidity that we're in, uh, somehow we must be the salt and the leaven in the lump. Look, I mean, I think, um, I think the fact that you provide this space um, is... It's part of it. It's not the whole of it, and we need to up the game, and we need to uh, raise the bar. Um, all of that is important. But the fact that um, we are having this conversation, the fact that Radio Veritas opens spaces where public discussion can happen, yeah. the fact that the parliamentary office sends out briefing after briefing, analysis after analysis, um, insights into parliament, means that... Um, there is one way in which we are keeping the space open, and we forget sometimes the impact that that has. Right. I constantly hear from people I bump into in the street, in church, and I say, oh, we read the thing, um, or my sister was telling me about the thing you sent out. People out. Those set the cogs of reasoning in, mm. um, in, in motion. Um, but I think we know that part of education and part of social education, cultural education, is almost a kind of, um, I don't want to use the word, but I can't think of another one, it kind of trickle down, right. that you've got to just um, hammer away at producing um, ideas, analysis that are in line with social teaching. We've had the privilege of being educated in the Catholic social thought. We have the obligation, therefore, to use the spaces. And I think we're doing that. Right. I think we're doing that. Mm. Um, I think what we really need to find, I mean, I look at the statements um, that Justice and Peace put out and the way those are increasingly being taken into mainstream, um, mainline um, press and um, and so forth, especially in the printed press. I, I think we need to consciously um, keep doing it, keep upping the game, keep having public discussions, keep sowing the seeds. Um, but I think we do have to, especially in these moments, um, leading up to um, the conference, policy conferences, leading up to um, an election in two years' time, we've got to consciously set about um, public discussion mm. um, and finding ways of reaching greater um, greater public um, and making sure these things are spoken about in our churches and make sure that we 
um, use our justice and peace groups um, to educate people because where does education come from if not from from us yeah. and, and mm. we need to do it mm. in a public way mm. such as we're doing now right. um, I, I think that's that's an, an important role I think we know sufficiently now that um, not all change happened in a single moment of um, of kind of public um, spectacularness. Yes. That some change, and the change that always accompanies that, that makes sure that that change can hold, mm-hmm. um, is around um, this kind of um, almost catechetical, social mm-hmm. catechesis mm-hmm. that 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 we are doing. Mm-hmm. So we've got to use our platforms. Both of us are in privileged positions where we have this platform, but we also have others, and we've just got to keep feeding them and keep talking sure. to them. Uh, Peter John, thank you very much for your words of encouragement. It's always good talking to you to get another thank perspective. You. Like, likewise to you. <laughs> thank you very much indeed and have a lovely, lovely day. God bless you. Thanks. Thank thank you. you. That's Father Peter John Pearson of the Catholic Parliamentary Office in Cape Town. Always good hearing from him and getting a good perspective on what's happening at the moment.